sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Happy Election Day. Welcome to Fantasy Sports today here on SportsGrid. On this show, no politics, just sports. But we may have some votes on who the best in fantasy football have been in the first half of the season. I think that we can dive into that a little bit. doesn't matter which side you're on. We can have an opinion on football and have some fun with that. I'm Craig Mish, along with Joe Pizzapia. We got you for two hours here on the show, talking fantasy, talking reality, recapping a little Monday Night Football, looking ahead to a Thursday game, which definitely has some drama as well, and mm. bringing back a little memorabilia and sports cards here on the show. So, Joe, good to be with you here on this Tuesday, and we'll dive into it a little bit on the program. Likewise, my friend, and Thursday Night Football is getting more and more interesting by the minute. The Packers are looking for running backs. The 49ers are losing players again. It is crazy. Thursday night, they might want to think about bumping this one just because I don't know how many guys are going to be left to play at this rate right now, but uh, probably that's not going to be the case. But certainly a degree of difficulty here for both organizations on the short week. It's getting more and more complex for both of them by the minute. Yeah, I, I do have some concerns about the season. I, I do have some concerns in a few weeks what this is going to be like if we keep getting some rising numbers. I think that they'll get it finished, but man, I mean, it seems like, I mean, it, this is the first time uh, since this all started that I'm starting to know some people who are coming down with this virus pretty closely here. And so hopefully around the country, there are some safe spots. Not an alarmist to say the least. We want football to continue no matter what. We also want it to be safe. That's for sure. I don't want anybody to get really sick. All right, let's go through our headlines here on this Tuesday. No doubt we got the Monday night football game to talk about. The Buccaneers rallied to defeat the Giants 25-23. Some controversy, of course, involved in a football game. Guess what? There was a little bit last <laughs> night, too. NFL trade deadline is today. No trades as of yet. It's 12.04 here on the East. We're ready for you to talk about it if it does happen. But thus far, nada. 49ers lose George Kittle. Craig Mish loses George Kittle for six to eight weeks. You may ask, who can you replace George Kittle with? Here is my answer. No one. There is no one to replace George Kittle with. It's just basically plug and play for the rest of the season. Uh, pretty devastating loss for me. Most points in the league. Uh, looking like a playoff spot and now praying that this guy can come back somehow in week 14. Not optimal for sure. As Joe mentioned, Vikings running backs are all in question for Thursday night. Jamal Williams is out and Aaron Jones looks like he's out too. There's a chance Dexter Williams may get an opportunity to play. So certainly a breathing body at running back is somebody to consider these days. And 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 look, Williams may be a start on Thursday night. Who knows? Uh, and finally, the Baseball Writers Association announced their finalists for all of the 2020 Baseball Season Awards. We'll dive into that a little bit later. MVP, Rookie of the Year, Cy Young Award, and we'll cover that as well. But Joe, I guess we could start today with the 49ers, who are going to have to overcome some massive, massive injuries to end up getting into the playoffs and having a good season. And dare I say, they are fighting through this thing. It has not been easy for mm -hmm. them. But you could basically field a fantasy team with all the players that they have lost thus far. Mm -hmm. Kittle is the one that I think hurts a ton because in fantasy, he's not a replaceable player. Like you lose Christian McCaffrey, you could still go out to the waiver wire and, and maybe get somebody who's going to start for you in a three, four-week period. But the answer, the answer to replacing Kittle 
in a 12 team league is almost impossible. And you may, you may have to unload your fab budget. I don't have any left, but you may have to unload your budget to get whoever the tight end's going to be for San Francisco moving forward. And I don't think there's clarity on that either. No, and look, this is what relative position value tells you in the black book, right? Kittle's about a 20-plus percent tight end better than the fantasy league average tight end. So what does that mean? It means on a weekly basis, he is 20% or so more productive than the average tight end one in fantasy. That's not replaceable on the waiver wire. Now, Christian McCaffrey got hurt, and look, Mike Davis had some pretty good games, like his own replacement, let alone the other guys on the waiver wire. And the problem is every offense has to use their running back. Not every offense in the NFL utilizes a tight end, and that is the big difference here. And now, like, there might be some shakeup here today. Who knows if David Njoku gets traded to a team? Maybe that's a guy who all of a sudden off the waiver wire becomes useful here for a couple weeks. That's the big guy in my mind that could move potentially today that might actually help you. Maybe Irv Smith is still out there. I'm trying to think of some other guys in there. It is tough this time of year to find those tight ends because the good ones have been already been picked up, that's for sure. But I would say right now the 49ers have done their best with what they could do. But this is yet another Super Bowl losing team that the next year deals with massive amounts of adversity, inconsistent play. And just kind of the perfect storm of bad news, which seems to be the running theme. As much as some people want to call it a fluke, tell you. I mean, you can look back at a decade and it is not a fluke. It's just kind of what's gone on here for better or worse. And it's something to be aware of even this year going in. And and I will say this. I think the 49ers have done a great job. I think they can still be competitive because of that extra playoff spot this year in the NFC, especially because the NFC East in particular is only going to give you one playoff team. Okay, so there is still room here for the 49ers to make the playoffs, but it's going to be an uphill climb. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, and and they just faced off with Seattle and didn't look like they belonged on the same field for three quarters. So it is going to be tough for them for sure. I wouldn't count them out. Uh, You know, inevitably getting most back is going to help them for sure. And and look, I know Jordan Reed is potentially the guy there, but they also have uh, Dwelly, the tight end, who caught a few passes a few weeks ago when Kittle was out too. So maybe there's a chance that he is the guy, but clearly going into tomorrow's show, we'll have a better answer on that. All right, coming up next, it's time for our fantasy standouts from Monday Night Football. Also, just to set you up for uh, the rest of the show, a little bit later in the program, we're bringing back a little sports card conversation. I know that there are a lot of you that collect cards, that get cards graded, that you maybe are a collector or maybe you're an investor of some kind. And I consider myself sort of in that boat. So I thought it would be interesting to fire that conversation back up and tell you what the future may look like uh, from someone who's involved directly in the business of sending those cards to get graded every week, sends 10,000 cards to get graded. So I'll have that coming up a little bit later in the show. Our fantasy standouts from Monday Night Football are next. on the grid. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. Just a couple of quick news and notes before we get to our fantasy standouts. Unfortunately, President of Football Operations of the Denver Broncos, John Elway, according to NFL Network, has tested positive for COVID-19. So he's going to have to stay away from their facility. And certainly the Broncos coming off such a big win. I would say that, honestly, 
Joe, in the Elway era of of of, of being the president <laughs> there, like I, I suppose their biggest win, if I have to think about it, is probably Tebow's pass in the playoffs against Pittsburgh. That That's wild a good card one. Pass. The one in New England in the in the overtime that game. I don't know if you remember that in the snow in New England when they won that game with Osweiler. That one stuck out to me too. But yeah, you're probably right, right. Tebow. Yeah, that's probably even more important. It was a playoff game. Was Elway president of the team when Peyton Manning was there and they won the Super Bowl? Was he the guy? Yes. Mm-hmm. He was? Yeah. Okay. So I guess there were some big moments. I take it back. But I'll tell you what. <laughs> Since Peyton Manning retired, Joe, let me rewind all that. Mm-hmm. Since Peyton Manning retired, mm-hmm. I think that this week was the biggest moment for Elway. <laughs> about that. <laughs> that's that's any. I'm happy that he had a good moment, but it is kind of sad. It, it's been a tough carousel, you know, ever since Peyton Manning. And I think you know this going in when you bring in a, an older quarterback like that. You got what you wanted, right? You got the two Super Bowl appearances. You, you got your doors blown off there against Seattle. But obviously you did have the win against Carolina. And then you have to expect there could be that precipitous drop off. It's something that Tampa needs to understand, too, that this could happen at any moment where Tom Brady just falls off the map the way Peyton Manning did, the way a lot of quarterbacks at that certain age do. I know Brady's kind of a freak of nature, but still, I, I think that ever since you've had this spinning wheel there with all these different quarterbacks, you know, they brought in Flacco, they had the Osweiler experiment, Drew Locke has been there, they're trying to figure out if he's going to be the guy, and I don't know, all I do know is that just yesterday on the Blackwick show, I was talking to my co-host about this, and I'll see if you agree, if you drop a really good young quarterback into this offense with KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy, Noah Fant, um, you know, Cortland Sutton healthy again, maybe you upgrade the running back position if Melvin Gordon is not that guy. All of a sudden, you've got something to work with there. I think it's just a matter of can you get the right guy who's ready. And, and if a team wants to move on, like a Sam Darnold, or a team wants to move on from a Carson Wentz or someone like that, it's not the worst landing spot in the world. There's a lot of weapons there. Yeah, I completely disagree. I, I think that <laughs> this is the same thing that was said before the season that they have all the weapons and they have all these guys. Too big and we to have fail. To see about yeah. I, I think Locke is good. I think the coaching is terrible. I, I think I think that their game plan is. I mean, well, let's do it from that position then. If an, if a coach right, we're looking for all you know who's going to be it, gone. It right? could change. If you're a head coach, me. free agent, that is an organization you look at and you say, "Wow, we've got and a lot gonna of need some here." I think yeah. I think they're going to fire Vic Fangio. You, you know, you know, for me in the NFL, where where it's a little telling for me. And again, look, I, I, look, I was on Denver last week. Did pick Denver, and I understand. I don't want to just. But I'm a week-to-week guy with this league. I, I will say this about Denver. To me, when I watch the NFL, and it's no indication of moving forward, but when I see a team down 24-3, to and they're able to come back all of a sudden out of nowhere and win, it tells me that they had a very poor game plan going in, and that's made by the coaches. And this is their same game plan for every single game. <laughs> like It's just so dull and boring and, and, non, and, and non-Elway. By the way, like I, I just can't believe that they just won't let Locke just drop back and throw. If and, you drop and, and a, sign a Byron Leftwich, right? Well, if you drop a Byron Leftwich, if you drop an Eric Bieniemy, if you get one of these guys who people think are bright young offensive mind and drop them in there, this could be a, a, an offense that turns around very quickly in terms of fantasy. And I would be like you're saying, kind of speculating on it a little bit. If you do think, and I kind of agree with you, that Fangio has probably sung his last song over there this year that maybe just maybe these are some pieces worth buying in dynasty leagues for next year, being a little proactive. You're out of it right now. Maybe buying Judy, maybe buying Cortland Sutton, maybe buying some of these dudes over there. You think, man, maybe Denver next year with the right offensive game plan 
they have the talent. It's just a matter of how they're going to execute next year. But I think yeah. there's some opportunity there at the very least. Yeah, I mean, I heard about Shermer going into the year, and and I was like, all right, well, you know, may, maybe so. But through seven weeks, I have not seen one. The only difference I've seen in Denver was the second half of one football game all season long, which was this past <laughs> week, where it's like they woke up and you got Locke thrown to the left and thrown to the right and hit Noah Fan and Lindsey Rowe. Like, where was that mm-hmm. for the first seven weeks? Play like that and lose if you have to. But but this is the NFL, and you're playing, by the way, against Kansas City twice. You're playing against the Chargers who play no defense but score. Like, you have to open up the offense. And, by the way, even against New England, they were very conservative in that game, too. Very, just kicking field goals all day long. So, mm-hmm. but, 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 again, I, I can't – I mean, this this coach is, is fighting to save his job. And so a 1.1917 win, in the end, may be better than going down to the end like it did against the Chargers. But, I, I look, I think they have to make a change at the end of the year. I think they have to bring in – Maybe Carolina's offensive coordinator. I don't know. All right, uh, let's look at at uh, the Bucks last night from a fantasy standpoint. We've got Brady twenty eight of forty two seventy nine and two touchdowns. Second half, uh, Bucks running back situation is now completely up in the air. Uh, Jones did not play well. He fumbled. Fournette came back in. I don't think. I mean, neither guy is like startable at this point. It's just totally gone downhill. Mike Evans, uh, five catches, 55 yards and a touchdown. I would trade him as fast as I possibly can. I mean, this is going to be the highlight of the season, I think, for him. And then Gronk continues to score. This is five weeks in a row with a touchdown, four receptions, <laughs> 41 like receiving yards. <laughs> yeah, he's got a lot and a touchdown for him. All right, moving over to the Giants. Now, this is where a different conversation comes in with the quarterback because I'm not sure about Daniel Jones. I do like Locke. I'm not sure about Daniel Jones. 25 of 41, 256, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Wayne Gallman actually proved to be fantasy worthy in this one, picking up 12 fantasy points. Shepard had 15, Engram had 11, and then Golden Tate stuck in a touchdown. If you started him, he got 10 points. Uh, not really going to cut it, I guess, but at least he salvaged something there. So I, I guess my takeaway from this was, look, the Giants are, are covering a lot of spreads. They're playing close in a lot of games. They're just not winning those games. And usually in the NFL, when that happens, teams start to go the other direction. Now, I thought that would happen with Cincinnati last week, and it was the opposite. Cincinnati lost, what, six out of seven games by a field goal or less? And then last week finally put it together. Maybe the Giants at some point put it together, but these close losses for them just have to be punishing. It's got to be very tough. They are, but at least they're competing. And I think of the two teams in New York, we watch the Giants. There's no quitting them. There's always effort. Sometimes they just get outmatched. And they have a tough schedule this year, too. They've played some tough teams. They had Pittsburgh this year earlier. They've got Tampa. You know, this is this is not the easiest schedule compared to some other teams. I think if they had an easier schedule, maybe you'd have a couple wins here if you're the Giants. But look, regardless, they have had a problem turning over the football. And I understand that the pressure was real from the Tampa Bay front. That's what they do. They get after the quarterback, and they've done it. They did it against Aaron Rodgers a couple weeks ago. So it's no surprise that they put pressure on Daniel Jones, and he threw a big pick there. But at a certain point, you want to sit him down, too, and and understand say, hey, look, a sack is better than a pick. When do we make this kind of adjustment here in our mindset as a quarterback, especially with a team that does have very little margin of error where you can't really come back from mistakes like that? I think that's the problem here with Daniel Jones. The fumbles have been an issue since he's taken over. The interceptions and bad spots have been an issue too. Look, if he doesn't throw that one pick, he just takes a sack there. We could be talking about an incredible upset today, but instead we're not. And as far as that PI goes at the end of the game, I, I understand why the controversy is there. And, you know, when you throw a flag on the field, my personal take is you then play that down over there. If you're not going to go to the booth, you don't pick up the flag. I think it was kind of curious they didn't 
you know, go to the booth to pick up the flag. They just did it there on the field. It seemed weird. I understand that the defender did turn back at the very last minute, but his chest made contact first and his hand made hand-to-hand contact with the receiver. So for me, it was a PI. It was the right call. And I kind of disagree with the folks who were saying that it wasn't because at the very least, it's not like it was a score then. You have to then still convert the two-point conversion. Give them a chance. I don't know. It seemed like a very weird way to end the game. Very peculiar, to say the least. And I think the one takeaway here is that Joe Judge at least has this team competing every week. And somehow, despite all the losses, which I think is even more telling about what kind of coach he might end up being in the NFL. So do you have a fantasy coin to flip here on Jones and Fournette the rest of the season? Oh, you have God. a coin nearby to flip one? You know what I like to do? You know, I like to put it, you know those coin machines you can put in and turn into something else? Can I do that? Like all of a sudden make a little souvenir for myself of, of uh, Rob Gronkowski? That's what right. I like to do. I'll, I'll flip yeah. it. I'll flip it on Fournette and what yeah, a nightmare. die on that what a nightmare. I'll die on that train. <laughs> I, I might as well it at is, this point. In for a penny. In for a penny. In for a pound. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to think that you're not going to be able to start either of these moving forward. All right, we got the update next, and then more fantasy potential that can happen. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, second half of the regular season in the NFL is here. There's only a handful of games in fantasy football to still play out. And so try to find some potential players who may be stashed on your bench that you can start in the second half of the season. That's going to be the subject of our discussion here. There certainly are a lot of them. I would say that, Joe, the players we're going to discuss are pretty much owned in almost every fantasy league. It's just hoping that they can turn the corner for you because – Like Derrick Henry has done over the last couple of years, someone is going to end up winning you a fantasy league that we haven't Mm -hmm. talked about yet, and maybe it'll be one of these players. Yeah, some of the ownership percentage or roster percentages are actually lower than you might think, and then some other ones were owned and then dropped over the last couple weeks because of buys. So that tends to happen quite a bit. But at the very least, some of these guys are just rotting away on benches, and if you've got some pieces where you could speculate and afford to bring some players back, with some upside for the second half, these are a few guys I think you should pay attention to. Now, the first one is Jalen Rager of the Philadelphia Eagles. And I can understand you look at last week's line, you go, well, too excited about that. Three catches, who cares? 16 yards and a touchdown. But he could have a second touchdown this game. And I think what you want to do is start to look ahead at schedule a little bit. He's got the Giants. He's going to have the Browns, which we talk about that pass offense, giving up a ton of air yards. And who else? The Seattle Seahawks, our favorite. So all of a sudden here, there's some opportunity for Jalen Rager to really establish himself. Now, they went out of their way to make sure that this was their guy, right? And unfortunately, injuries have kind of stunted him. He's had some good performances here if you go back and look at the game log, but the problem is he hasn't been healthy. If he's healthy here, there's no doubt that there's going to be opportunity for volume. You like the matchups, and not to mention, too, if he should be a potential playoff team right now, he has a playoff matchup one week where I think it's the championship game matchup against the Dallas Cowboys. I don't say it's tough to look that far ahead, But my goodness, there's certainly some good matchups here in these next eight games or so for the Philadelphia Eagles, for the wide receivers specifically. And it seems like that's what you're trying to do. Can you take the talent? Can you take the volume, the opportunity, and cash in on it? And I think with some of these matchups, there's potential for that. And I think a lot of people who still have Rager are probably really frustrated, Craig, because of the up-and-down game log and because of basically, hey, the guy's missed time, and they really don't know what he is. 
So if people did draft him, I'm sure there's some uncertainty there. So I think this is a player going forward that you can look at and say, okay, there's a piece that has potential here and he's worth acquiring even in a package in a trade if you're still able to trade right now this week. Yeah, and, and I think that Wentz is inconsistent, so it's going to be hard on a week-to-week basis to see nine catches for uh, you know 100 yards. But look, Fulgham has done that, so maybe between mm-hmm. Fulgham, Rieger, and, and Ward, they're able to put together a nice wide receiving core. I, I think it is very unpredictable in terms of what is happening with Philadelphia. You have Dallas Goddard active against Dallas, one catch. Uh, so there's just not a lot going right for them. I'm still a big fan of Rieger moving forward, and he's someone that I'm probably going to have to start after losing Galladay in a league. But uh, I'm, I'm more hopeful, and I'm more optimistic, but I, I got to see more out of the quarterback to determine if that's going to be something for the future. Speaking of which, the New England Patriots have had their issues all season long trying to find uh, quarterbacks, running backs, and, and <laughs> Damian Harris now uh, two times in a month at least has looked like he could possibly – you know, be a guy this season. But, you know, Joe, this is another very questionable one here, too, because the Patriots have never, ever settled on one guy. Like, I I take it back. They have. I mean, Dylan was a guy when he was there. He would get most of the carries. But the New England offense is not great. (laughs) The New England offense is not great. It's it's clear that that Harris probably has the most potential of mm-hmm. all the guys there, but Spurkhead is still there, and so is White. Is Sony Michelle still coming back? So if all those guys were gone, I'd feel a lot more comfortable. But I could see Harris getting 100 yards in the next game. I could see him getting zero yards in the next game. It's just so dangerous. Yeah, I, I would say that, you know, the one thing you look at, too, is that New England cares about wins and losses more more than some other teams do. And this is a bad losing streak. And the two games where he had 100 yards, those are the two closest games in the last month that they had in terms of performance. And not to mention, there's not a lot of 100-yard games out there. I did a little research on this, as you can see at the bottom here. There's only been a couple guys here. It's just Dalvin Cook, just from last week, had an extra one too. Aaron Jones and Derrick Henry have had three or more 100-yard games. That's it. So this guy's already got two, and he wasn't active for the first month of the season, basically. And I think that's something to understand and take into account of, okay, where are the Patriots right now as an organization? What is the, gives them the best chance to be competitive in games? And so far, getting 100 yards rushing out of somebody, that was their secret sauce the last few years with Sony Michelle. Now, Sony Michelle, I think we all agree, done, right? We don't want to see him anymore. So if you are the New England Patriots and you're also starting to think about evaluating talent for next year, why not give Damian Harris a run here? Why not give him 17 to 20 carries a game and see what's going on? The fact that he's put up two 100-yard rush games right now in a season of the NFL where we can hardly find any halfway through the season, I mean, that's kind of stunning. There's only a couple guys that have three or more, and we're eight games in. That's kind of tricky to me. And I think if you look at the landscape of the New England Patriots for the rest of the season and moving forward, not only does handing him the football make sense in terms of giving you the best chance to win football games, but it also gives you a best chance to evaluate him going forward into next year because I think there's going to be a lot of wholesale changes and you need to see not what Rex Burkhead is, not what James White is. You need to see what Damian Harris is because you whiffed on the keel Harry. You need to see what Jacoby Myers is. Those are the players you have to evaluate. And the only way you can do that, Craig, is to give them playing time. You you would think that I, I just I have a hard time trusting Belichick with his running backs. If they would ever give Harris back to back weeks of carries, I, I would feel more confident at that point. But right now, for me, yeah, I mean, people are going to start him. They're going to play him this week. They may be rewarded. They may be really disappointed. And the first 
seven games of the season have been a massive disappointment. So maybe it will change. We'll have to see. J.K. Dobbins looks like he has an opportunity right now, Joe, at this point. Now, the Ravens do use multiple backs. They do get Gus Edwards involved, and we know Lamar Jackson runs the ball. It looks like Mark Ingram is now... I wouldn't say he's the third string. I could see him getting more involved, but he is on the back nine, I guess, of his career. I, I think that that's think probably fair. Uh, Dobbins who looked very viable against Pittsburgh last week. The only troubling thing with him is that if they're not going to give him goal line carries, you're so dependent on the yards and it, it will depend on the matchup. But he definitely, uh, you know, basically turned my head watching that game last week against Pittsburgh. Yeah. Mine as well, and that's a tough defense as well. And I think coming out of the bye, this is what you kind of needed to see if you were a J.K. Dobbins owner, and maybe this is also just whether or not you feel good starting guys. I mean, we talked about whether or not you could pick these guys up. Chances are you can't. You could probably trade for some of them, but it's whether or not you have these guys and you feel good about starting them. And I think Dobbins, what you wanted to see desperately, was Baltimore get back to running the football effectively. And they haven't been able to do that. Ingram has been disappointing. He's been banged up. This was the opportunity, and and you want to give these guys a pass too because I think whenever you have rookie running backs, there's that excitement level, and we saw it last year too with all the rookie running backs. And what happened? For the most part, they were a disappointment until the second half of the season, right, where you had Devin Singletary all of a sudden look much better. All of a sudden when you had uh, Miles Sanders win people leagues, including me. So I can tell you right now, this is that kind of opportunity here because you know Baltimore is going to run the football out of necessity. He is the guy that they drafted to be the next guy. And I think Gus Edwards can still be complimentary here. And Dobbins has a window here in the next few weeks to really basically, lack of a better pun here, run away with this job. So I think it's time to start putting some shares in there. And even the daily fantasy world start to pay attention to him because I think this is the best case scenario coming out of the bye they could have had this past week for him. Yeah, he, he he was not one of my favorites coming good. into the draft, and we'll see. And he, and he has looked good at least a couple times this season. Mm-hmm. All right, well, uh, look, let, let's focus on the Packers here. We've been trying to do this now for weeks, trying to find another option outside of Devontae Adams. And I know uh, Lazard was one of your favorites early on. That has not worked out. Uh, I, I still think the Packers are going to find someone here. Uh, Valdez Scanling, I think we talked about him a few weeks ago too. Forget him. Allison is done. He's not there. Uh, Tanyan is the one, Joe, that seems to be getting the most playing time and getting the most action, but we could be changing our opinion of that in two hours if they make a trade. So I guess this is good for now. This is absolutely with the caveat, and I put this in there specifically because if the Packers don't make a move, which I think is possible, right? I mean, they might not bring a Will Fuller in. They might not bring in a Golden Tate. This might not happen here. Then I think Robert Tanyan becomes the big winner potentially. And when you watch that game this past Sunday – it wasn't just when or where it was the it was the timing of when he was looking for Tanyan and it was that he was looking for him on third downs at big spots and that to me shows trust and when Aaron Rodgers shows trust in a tight end a wide receiver anybody it's something to always take note of it's one of those things that early in Devontae Adams career we saw Jordy Nelson's career I go back to a lot of these guys when Aaron Rodgers shows a trust all of a sudden you see a guy who's got potential here and that was what was disappointing about Lazard is he had some trust there where he was showing it early in the year he was showing it the end of last year but then the injuries basically really hurt that but Tanyan is the guy that I think really stands to benefit so right now let's say the trade deadline comes and goes in the next couple hours and you are the George Kittle owner there's a good chance that Robert Tanyan is a really good pivot for the next six weeks. And that's a guy that you can at least play and feel good about. If you can get him in a trade, I would look to acquire him because somebody else is going to be active. He does have some red zone upside, not a ton, but some, right. 
At the same time, I think it's more uh, a steady PPR play. You look at the number of targets, 24 targets over the last five games, and he's basically come out of nowhere, which means the person who has him on a roster right now probably doesn't believe in him a whole lot either. So there's a good chance that he's got more than one tight end or she's got more than one tight end on that roster anyway. You might be able to pry him away. Again, this is the caveat if they don't add another wide receiver. But even if they do, Craig, it's not always a lock that somebody picks up the playbook right away. It's not always a lock that somebody gains the confidence of Aaron Rodgers. We've seen that happen before. So Tanyan is a guy I think to really keep a close eye on. I think he can be helpful here. He's kind of still under the radar. And I think that is what you're looking for out of tight end. Somebody who's got some upside on a weekly basis. And I think in the Green Bay offense, he has that. Yeah. And, and we'll just have to see what they do. If they do nothing, I think he's a great ad and it's a great suggestion. It's just a matter of what their plan is. Another name that I was reading, I think it was this morning or last night, I remember was that uh, Green Bay could just easily get Cobb, uh, Randall Cobb back and just slide mm-hmm. him right back into the offense where he w- was successful with Rodgers uh, for so many years. Maybe that's potentially an option for them too. But uh, that that's one team I think that's going to do something today, but we'll see. We got the deadline coming up in a few hours from now. If anything happens here on the show, we will bring that to you, no doubt about that. And uh, coming up next here on Sports Grid on Fantasy Sports today, it's time for our Hot Take Tuesday. A lot of statements, a lot of hot takes. Or are they just basically things that are going to happen? We're going to tell you next week here on SportsGrid.com. Make sure you stay tuned. He's still P's and P. I'm Craig Mish. More Fantasy Sports today here on this Tuesday is next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back on tomorrow's show. Dr. David Chow will give us all the injury information that you could possibly ask for. So make sure you tune into the Wednesday edition of the show. Coming up, a little sports card conversation around 110 Eastern. Stay tuned for that. If you're watching on demand, just hit fast forward on your YouTube or wherever you're watching our program today. But it is time for Tuesday. It's time for Hot Take Tuesday, Joe. And so it's like kind of like fantasy or reality a little bit, except for a little spicy. Kind of like the Popeye's chicken spicier. sandwich stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, baby. A little spicy. (laughs) You do the spicy nuggets. You trust the spicy nuggets or no? Oh, no. You see some places now. They're all doing the spicy nuggets. I don't know what that's all about. But, I mean, the sauces, I can understand the spicy sauce for the nuggets. But then, you know, where does it end? I mean, you know, you have the spicy nugget, the spicy sauce. I don't know. I mean, it seems like a bit much to me. Everyone loves it, the the spicy stuff. For me, it's like I, I can have it once or twice, but I'm not a big Big spicy guy. See, uh, you might not and realize that should surprise no one from watching the show. By the way, <laughs> okay, is the bald guy? Go. By the way, uh, with the spicy stuff, you you tell when I have spicy stuff. All of a sudden, the head starts to sweat, the whole thing. So I got to be real careful yeah. there, especially if you're out having spicy stuff. Turn the fan on it's in a little, the office, little fat, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, hot take Tuesday, Joe. You know what? You take it away. You handled it. You you handled it. You do a better job. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I don't know about that, but all right, I'll handle it. All right. So I've seen a lot of buzz here, a lot of people being disappointed about their Lamar Jackson shares this year. And I can understand why he's not quite living up to the expectation of the number one overall player in fantasy, which is where he was last year. But here's the question. Lamar Jackson is a one-year wonder. I see that take going out there that people saying, ah, he's never going to live up to what he did last year. He's a disappointment, all this stuff. He came back down to earth. And I'll say this to me. I think this is a hot take. 
I think Lamar is a really good player. I think Lamar could benefit by having some good wide receiver talent or some improved wide receiver talent. And maybe they thought Hollywood Brown would be that guy that stepped up into that void. But really, he doesn't have a whole lot to work with. What's he got? Willie Sneed? Hollywood Brown? I don't know, man. That doesn't really ring like really big-time wide receivers. He would benefit a great deal from having a guy like an Adam Thielen in that offense. Could you imagine a possession-wide receiver kind of guy or a Julian Edelman-style kind of guy in there in the slot? That would be great. That would be perfect for this offense. Maybe they'll go out this offseason and do that. But I don't know if he's going to ever lead the league in passing touchdowns again and you know have a 1,000 yards rushing. But I think it's a hot take to say that he's a one-year wonder. What do you think, Greg? I think it is too. Here is here is my like sneaky prediction on on Lamar Jackson. This is what I think. I think that they didn't know fully what they had with Lamar Jackson last year, and hmm. they just unleashed this guy on the NFL. And they got to about week twelve, week thirteen, fourteen. They got into the playoffs. There was a lot of film. Teams started realizing what mm-hmm. they were doing, and in a one game situation, what Tennessee proved is you can stop the guy. I think they've been very vanilla with him at the start of the season for that. I think that Agreed. they want to keep him protected. I think they want to keep him protected, and I also think that they don't want to show too much. I think in the second half, you're going to see a different guy. I think all of a sudden, the switch is going to go on with him. Uh, I've watched a lot of their games. It's a lot of short passing and running, but don't make a mistake. It almost seems like Jackson feels like he's being held back because when he takes off, it's a touchdown. I mean, he ran for a 40-yard touchdown last week. It was called back because of a holding penalty. So I think it is a hot take. I think Jackson is a great guy to acquire moving forward because I think the Ravens realize how many guys like this stay healthy and have success consistently. We've seen it with Cunningham and Vic and some others who have been dynamic, but then their careers are cut short or they get hurt or they're not the same. And I think that they're in this for the long haul with Jackson. So, yes, hot take. I think that they played it very closely at the beginning of this season. Mm, I like that. I like that analysis. That's some good analysis right yes. there. That analysis is yeah. That's what I think. Here's a question. Would you rather have Kyler Murray rest of season, who's the number one quarterback, or Lamar mm-hmm. Jackson based on what you're talking about? Well, based on what I'm saying, it would be Jackson. I I, I, mm-hmm. I think I think at some point you're gonna you're gonna see what you saw last year. I don't I don't think that that just happens and then nothing happens. I, I think that the Ravens are looking at it like we know we're great. We're going to end up 12 and 4, 13 and 3. Let's not right. give away too much before we get to the end here. And and notice the other thing, too, is they're not doing a lot. You know what they're not doing? They're not doing a lot of that um, where they, they fake the handoff to the running back and then Jackson drops mm-hmm. back, throws 80 yards for a touchdown. They're not doing that as much this year. I think that all of a sudden the game plan is going to be different in the second half. That's a guess. And I like that. Open up the Ravens. Look, it's unfortunately, the waiting has probably cost them a potential bye week. But I guess for the Ravens, maybe not the bye week last year was a bad idea. You're right, but not yet. It's one loss. It's not the end yet. No, but they but lost, yeah. Look, they they lost they to Kansas lost City, Kansas City and Pittsburgh. It's who I mean, they lost to. It's Kansas City and Pittsburgh. It's who they lost to, not so much the losses for me. It's who right. they well, lost to that yeah, I, I think becomes I'm not saying that – look, I, I thought against Pittsburgh, Jackson tried to do a lot more. I, they, I'm, I'm not saying that they didn't try to win that game, but I just feel like – in uh, who was it that they played? Was it Cincinnati a few weeks ago? Oh yeah, it was Cincinnati. Where mm-hmm. and and I th- I don't even think that they were trying against Cincinnati. They just kept no, running the ball. Like, All right, we're gonna win this game. The, the Burrow keeps throwing picks. Yeah. We're gonna win. We're not gonna do anything. And, and basically, Cincinnati could have scored so many different times to cover that game. They did not. So it's, it's just a guess for me that all of a sudden things start opening up for him. But I could be wrong. We'll see. All right. Well, let's see how hot you are on this one because uh, Alvin Kamara is on pace right now to break the all-time receptions record for a running back. So right now, there's a lot of people saying Alvin Kamara is the number one overall pick next year in PPR. 
I think this is a hot take, Craig, and I think it is because of a few reasons. Number one, let's see what happens when Christian McCaffrey comes back. But also, number two, what happens if Drew Brees decides to hang it up this year? What happens when Michael Thomas is back? Are we is Michael Thomas going to all of a sudden eat into some of these receptions that he's having? I would imagine so, no matter who's playing quarterback. So as great as Alvin Kamara has been, and he has been this year for PPR people, especially because, hey, he's one of the last men standing, literally. I still think it's a hot take to put him number one overall. I think Derrick Henry, to me, is safer. I think Christian McCaffrey has more upside. But I understand why the conversation's happening. I understand why this take is out there. But I think 2021, there's a lot of unknown that you're seeing a lot of action he's getting in 2020 because of circumstance that's not necessarily, I think, accurate projecting forward. But what do you think? Do you think Alvin Kamara number one is a hot take? I don't think it's that hot. Now, look, Breeze being gone and them not legitimately replacing him, remember, that's a factor, too. And I don't think Taysom Hill is the answer there. But it, it, uh, but if they had Winston well, Winston's as still an there example, too. <laughs> He's still there I, then, too. I'd be, then, I, then I would say that this is not a hot take at all. Alvin mm-hmm. Kamara, see, this is what is, is, is really puzzling to me. Alvin Kamara is Marshall Falk. He's Marshall Falk. He, he well, the Marshall Falk exactly. ran the ball, but he had more carries, though, didn't he? I mean, I have to go back and look. He doesn't get near the amount of carries that Marshall Falk well, gets. Well, right? running like, back really does anymore. So, I, I mean, guess. maybe if Kamara's getting 12, Falk got 20. Yeah, I mean, that's that's possible. But to mm-hmm. me, that's the best comp that I can give. I, I feel like he is that guy. Like, he's the same player. He's always open. He runs over the middle. Even when the linebacker on him, he's always catching the ball, and he falls forward and gets three yards. So... Look, if, if if 2021 was right now and somebody said Alvin Kamara, Kamara number one, I could live with it because I don't think it's clear cut. I think it's who you like at this point. And, and given the nature of I mean, we're, we're asking this question right now. And I think that's the answer right now. McCaffrey mm-hmm. has been hurt. We don't know. Uh, you make right. a good case for Henry. There's no doubt. Somebody may like Henry. Maybe I like Kamara in a PPR more than you like Henry in a PPR. I mean, that's yeah, possible it's, too. It's so not going to be. Cons- it's not going to be consensus. You're right. I think. I think that's what you're looking at. Like, I think this year was the most number one overall consensus we've ever had in many, many years, where everyone just went, "Yeah, it's McCaffrey." Like, you can't really undo McCaffrey. Now, now, I think it's up for grabs, and that's fascinating going into next year. What's also it, fascinating you know, is you know what. what the pa- it, that's Good. true. It's true to a degree. I, I disagree a little bit. I, I think that in terms of the first pick in the draft, it's usually one or the other. The difference with this, with the coming year is it looks like maybe it could be more than two. So that, to me, is mm-hmm. where the big change has been. I don't ever remember the, somebody at three, you, you know, somebody taking that guy at one. So, um, look, Dalvin Cook is in that conversation, too. I mean, he really he's is. Absolutely I mean, conversation. But, again, so, he's got to play. There's four or five guys. Like how he goes the rest of the season. You're right. Dalvin Cook should absolutely oh, be in that conversation. Absolutely. Uh, is it a hot take to say that Cam Newton will be one and done as a Patriot? I'm going to let you go first on this one because I have some That's bias. Sure. Yeah, it's not a hot take at all. It's not a hot take. Yeah, He's look, Cam has played great. played great this past uh, week. Great? Uh, great? Oh, I thought he played, played okay. I thought he played great this past week. He played week. better I watched the game. I thought he was old He played team. better I mean, Joe, look, yourself, they have no weapons, so what do you want the guy no. to do? I mean, he's I think he's one and done. So you think he's one and done or no? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do too. Yeah. All right. I, I so think, there I think he's one and done. I think this is the end. I think this is the end for him in the NFL. That was a, that mean, was going to be my follow up question. Is he one? Is he done? Period. Will anybody else take I a shot so. on him next year? I think so. I don't think so. No, I think so too. No. And, and, and he's I'm doing everything he possibly can. But <laughs> you know what the problem is with him is that he signed in the right place to start, but it ended up mm-hmm. being the worst possible place for him to succeed because there's just nothing around him. It is all him. He's going to take a beating again. Um, 
I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I suppose if he, if Cam Newton wants to play the next five years and be a backup or like fight for jobs, and we've seen that before. I mean, Matt Hasselback played what seven years yeah. without taking a snap in sure. Indianapolis. Like I, and but Newton's of course better than Hasselback, so maybe that's a bad comparison. Uh, Newton could be a Hall of Famer for sure. I just think that he's the kind of guy at this point that you have to have some guys around mm-hmm. him, and and he really has none. He's being forced to do it all himself. So I'm going to say done. I'm There's all those guys. Put him in Denver. Mile high Cam Newton, baby, with all those weapons. All right, how about this one? I actually saw this on Twitter yesterday, and I went, oh, I'm stealing this. I am definitely stealing this for the show. Jonathan Taylor is the new Trent Richardson. Oh, baby. Oh, that's just a 20 carry. say from- that? I don't because Jordan Wilkins had 20 carries and everyone's upset and everyone's no. hurt because Jonathan Taylor was not good in this game. I think this is a hot take. But here's the question. I'm sure you think it's a hot take, too. But where's yeah, I'm not a, I'm not right a fan now. of Jonathan Taylor either. I'm not a fan of the Wisconsin running backs. Uh, I'm not a fan of, you know, I'm just not. I just think that great offensive lines don't always predicate good, great players in the NFL, and Wisconsin had a great one there. But look, I mean, Trent Richardson, it was obvious. Uh, maybe not through the first seven games of his career, but from that point forward that this guy could not find holes. He was running right into the line. I think you got to give Taylor more time on this one. I, I, look, I don't know why they didn't use him. Like, I would say maybe Cam Akers. Let's put use Cam Akers here instead. But uh, and Cam Akers was a star at FSU, too. I don't know what they're doing with him either. But, no, I, I'm going to give Taylor more time for sure. I agree. I want to get – but, you know, on you. Know, sometimes you say the takes aren't hot enough here. So I thought that was pretty hot. So I wanted That's to – That's the hottest uh, one we've had ever. I know. And I saw it. I was, you know what? Boom, let's do Brent this Richards. one. I don't think he is a – I will say this. There's that potential in there. <laughs> I'm just saying there's that potential. I'm, I think it's a hot take, but it could turn that way. Last one here. I know we're up against it. it. Troy Aikman seems to have the answer to this one. If you were listening to this game the other day on the broadcast, my goodness, every five minutes. Why isn't Trubisky in? I don't understand. Foles doesn't know how much time is on the clock. Foles doesn't understand what's going on. Foles did a bad job here. Whew, it was rough. Troy Aikman was like a troll basically that game but here's the question if they lose another game here that'd be three in a row if so nick Foles is done a quarterback for the bears fantasy out not fantasy reality is that a hot take um i would say three in a row i think he's done three in a row i don't think it's a hot take I to say another third i agree right? i agree i don't think three in a row especially when you had five wins and all of a sudden now you're back to 500 yeah right? I, I think you one more that. and you're right i think one more and i'm there yeah Oof. And and you know what, this is this is kind of the weird thing for me because I always felt like, and I don't know if you, if you said this too, but I don't know if you've had this conversation or was on another show that if they had started out with Foles, it would have been much easier to then kind of then transition to Trubisky and kind of let him play savior. But because you started off with Trubisky, it kind of puts you behind the eight ball already. Like Nagy almost put himself between a rock and a hard place where if they just started with Foles, you could have made this transition, I think, a lot easier. And people might have actually been excited and the team might have been excited. It's a weird situation that Nagy's created. Yeah, it definitely is. All right, a little fantasy trivia coming up and then our top stories at the top of the hour. So make sure you stay tuned to that. Also, our sports card conversation, which we're going to be doing weekly every Tuesday is also coming up in about 10, 15 minutes from now. You're watching Fantasy Sports today on Sports Grid. Craig Miss Joe Pia will be right back. Don't go away.
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back as we wrap up our first hour of our two-hour fantasy sports today extravaganza. Let's end it with a little fantasy trivia. So, Joe, what do you got up your sleeve that I could get wrong today? <laughs> I don't know. You've been pretty good. I was gonna say you. you what really? At least been the ballpark. <laughs> no, you've been res- you've been respectable. I think. Oh uh, all right. So. So I mentioned earlier in the uh, segment we were talking about running backs there that only a, a few, just three, have 100-yard games uh, more than three. But there's only two wide receivers that have four 100-yard games so far in the first half of 2020. Just two guys. So which two wide receivers are that? And I will I will give you a hint on one of them. I think I know got hurt last week. All right. Well, one, one of them got hurt last week. So who is who is the one that you think you know? I think – well, now, now I know both, I think. Okay, let's go. Let's do it. Time's ticking here. Well, you just gave me Calvin Ridley. I wouldn't have got it. There you go. All right, well, I gave you a hint. I think one hint is fair. I'm asking <laughs> you to do two things. I mean, how many other receivers got hurt last week? Well, oh, Galladay. I mean, Galladay got hurt, yeah, too. Yeah, Galladay got hurt. Yeah, yeah but see, I know your good. mind. and It's got to be somebody on one of your teams. And so I went right to it. I was like, it's got to be a Joe guy, Joe guy. Oh, Ridley. There it is. Hey, the Joe uh, guy has uh, four 100-yard games. It is not DK Metcalf. His name does start with a D, though. Hopkins. That is correct. There you go. And by the way, Joe's guy, Joe's guy, Calvin Ridley, has four 100-yard games. He's one of only two guys. So it seems like Joe's guys are pretty cool guys to hang out with on your fantasy team. I'm just saying, like, seems like a cool guy to have hanging around. Well, they always I end know. up on trivia, that's for sure. I will say that. They always <laughs> end up on the trivia. Uh, but, but you know, I think it deserved to have a hint whenever I'm asking you a cold question like this. I think whenever there's A, B, and C, uh, and you get it wrong, you're on your own. That's when you're on your own. I don't, I don't think it at all. Going into the show, I don't even look. I don't want to know because no. I want to try and no. have the reveal, the live reveal on the show, like yeah. the mass well, singer. Uh, look, you know, they take off the mask. And uh, and I respect that about you. And look, it's just a reminder going forward too for DeAndre Hopkins. You know, you might be disappointed in some of those games, but just think right now: four 100-yard games. Only one of the guys done that so far, and none of the big wide receivers that we talked about. That's an impressive season for Hopkins. All right, coming up next, it's our top stories here on FST, sportsgrid.com. Don't go. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.